the Psalms that we find in the Bible are full of everyday sorts of things. Regret and success, rage and joy, sorrow and celebration, desire for revenge and songs of worship, feelings of abandonment and statements of faith, doubt and hope, the whole disorganized basket of things that make up our lives, the good, the benign, the bad, and the ugly, reading the Psalms, or at least parts of many of them, makes me cringe. This morning's Psalm was decidedly less cringe-worthy than many, but many of them, or parts of them, are incredibly cringe-worthy. And in fact, in our lectionary, Often there's a psalm assigned for every Sunday. We don't always read it. But often the cringe-worthy parts are left out. So when you see verses for a particular psalm, usually the ones in in between are the hardest ones. They're a bit too raw, a bit too harsh, a bit too vengeful, a bit too vulgar, a bit too unfiltered and honest, perhaps. All of the everyday sorts of things and all of the embarrassingly raw sorts of things that are contained in the Psalms are all somehow mysteriously made sacred in the naming before God. The Psalms represent the full range of human emotion, experience, and desire, and all of it in conversation with God. These deeply human utterances, as one commentator called them, isn't that lovely? These deeply human utterances have been sung and prayed, cringed at and shoved away, transcribed and adapted for millennia. And I suspect they've got several more millennia of choral settings and worship recitations ahead. Because not only do the Psalms tell a lot about ourselves, about the human experience, the range of human emotion, they also reveal a great deal about God. About who humans have understood and proclaimed God to be. And in today's Psalm, a Psalm of Praise, it's one of the last five Psalms in the Psalter, so they're traditionally thought of as the Hallelujah Psalms. These They end sort of like Handel's Messiah with this grand finale of the Hallelujah Chorus. That's also the Psalter. It's one of those last five Hallelujah Psalms. And in today's Psalm, God is rebuilder, recreator, healer, good medicine, uplifter, courage giver, intimate knower and namer of all creation, infinitely powerful and incalculably wise. About a thousand years before Mary sang her powerful song, you have brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. About a thousand years before that, the psalmist sang his powerful song. You lift up the oppressed and cast the corrupt to the ground. That's what we heard this morning. And these sung proclamations of God's character as overturner of oppression and bringer of justice 
They echo in one another, and they echo in the teachings and the life of Jesus, who was formed by these songs, by these ancient songs and prayers. Now, I proclaim and preach this God often. At least I think I do. You can tell me if you think I don't. The overturner of oppression and bringer of reparative justice. The God that's found in Mary's Magnificat, in the Psalms and the prophets that preceded her song, and in the life and teachings of Jesus that came after. I preach this God often, and always, I think, with both confidence and trepidation. Confidence, because I really do believe it's one of the truest things that I can say about God. There's lots that I don't know, can't know. But I do feel confident that God is an overturner all the time. Overturner of oppression and bringer of reparative justice. It is at the very heart of who God is. Because I'm confident that God is creator and lover of all creation. That God desires shalom and desires wholeness for each and every one. And that means overturning oppression and bringing justice. So that all may thrive. This is one of the truest things I can say about God. I feel confident it's a faithful image of who God is and consistent with proclaiming God's reign and the good news of Jesus. But I also preach this God with trepidation because surely I'm in for a topple in this overturning that's happening, going to happen. That Ched Myers podcast that I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I finished the episode this week, and I heard him saying that change and transformation always originates in the margins and always rises up from the roots, from the grassroots. Change and transformation always begins that way. He said change and transformation never trickles down from the powerful. And by no measure am I on the margins or at the bottom of this world's caste system. I am in every way powerful. I'm in for a topple. And when I really let that sink in, it terrifies me. What business do I even have preaching this revolutionary God? I guess I keep preaching this God because of the aforementioned confidence I feel in preaching this God, because there is, this is the God that I encounter in the witness of Jesus' life, and because as many a teacher of preaching has said, the best sermons are the ones we preach to ourselves. The best sermons are those that ring true for the preacher, that are deeply, inexplicably true. And I need to keep preaching this sermon to myself, so I suppose you're going to regularly get caught in the overhearing of that sermon I'm preaching to myself. I know that I stand in need of the wholeness and healing that will come when the oppressed are lifted up and the corrupt are cast down. I know that I need to be healed and transformed by that sort of overturning. If I'm totally honest, I've turned to the Psalms this week in large part because of the Sunday that we had together last week. For those of you who are here, we had our annual peace lecture and guests Wazia Taween, a Dakota survivor, and John Stays, 
a Mennonite settler, both truth speakers and justice seekers, and we heard many challenging things together. And so this week I needed to join my voice to an ancient song in order to find something. I'm not even sure what. Comfort? Strength? The sense that I and we are not alone? I recall with amazement John's confident response to Rebecca's question in the morning session. With no hesitation, he said simply that our own healing begins with land return to indigenous communities. That's where our healing begins. That we can't even begin our own moral and spiritual healing until we've begun to return land to indigenous communities. It may be unrealistic to return all the land, he said, but it's immoral to return none. But even more poignant for me than his words was his confidence. And it didn't appear to me to be arrogance, just simple confidence, just something he knows, something I think he knows from his own experience, his own life story. The sort of confidence that I feel in proclaiming that God is an overturner of oppression and a bringer of reparative justice. It was just simple, clear. The sort of confidence that's shored up by experiential knowledge. He has done this in his own life, and so he knows firsthand that his own healing didn't culminate with the return of land, but began there. I sense it's the same sort of healing and wholeness that I stand in need of, the same sort of healing and wholeness that I long for and that fuels my redundant sermons about God, the overturner of oppression and the bringer of reparative justice. John's days was already being healed in ways that I need to be healed. And so I turned to the psalm this week. Because, like I said, I needed to join my voice to this ancient song, this ancient prayer, this ancient proclamation of who God is. I wonder if it's part of why Jesus retreats in the story that we heard from Mark this morning. He gets up in the dark morning hours and finds a quiet place on his own. I wonder if perhaps, well, the text says that he went to pray. And I wonder if he, too, perhaps needed to join his voice to an ancient song, to a psalm, to an ancient prayer and proclamation of who God is. In my dwelling with Psalm 147 this week and in my joining my voice to this ancient sung prayer, this is what has come alive for me and nourished me. First, and I've already said this, that God is a rebuilder a repairer, a healer, and good medicine. You rebuild what has been ruined and recreate what was lost. You heal the brokenhearted. You are medicine for their wounds. Second, that God, as I've said many times before, we'll say many times after, is an overturner of oppression and a bringer of justice. You lift up the oppressed and cast the corrupt to the ground. And third, that like Isaiah's prophetic reminder, oh, I can't believe I'm going to do this. 
Okay, the lectionary text from Isaiah. Did you notice that we um, read about eagles? And not and nary a mention of patriots. I, I'm just saying. I don't even care about football, y'all. But it is interesting that the lectionary text is about rising up with wings like eagles. It's not in the text. I did not intend to say that. <sighs> Super Bowl Sunday for those of you who are still uh, lost. <clears throat> Third, that like Isaiah's prophetic reminder that the weak shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint, God is a source of strength and courage. You lift up the afflicted the psalm says, and give them the courage to endure. And fourth, that like John Stays' encouragement in the afternoon session to use our passions in the pursuit of justice, the way that he uses his love of the recumbent bike to raise awareness about indigenous rights and to get one article in one, or a bunch of articles in one news, in a bunch of newspapers around the state, and to get one regular donor. <laughs> this from the psalm. You give them joy in your joy, and you bless their loves with your love. Isn't that wonderful? So before reparations was ever a cultural thing that we started hearing about, God was repairing what was ruined and lost. And in the face of every oppression, every slight, every injustice, God has been about righting wrongs and bringing justice. Also, when I get overwhelmed or I feel tired or confused or resistant or afraid, God is a source of strength, endurance, and perhaps even more importantly, courage. And finally, when it all feels like too much work and too much hard work at that, God blesses my loves and my passions with divine love. Infusing the work of justice with true joy. Thanks be to God. (laughs) You give them joy in your joy and you bless their loves with your love. Jesus retreated to pray, perhaps to pray the Psalms like I did this week. And the disciples went looking for him, and when they found him, he announced it was time to go to the next place, the next place that was also in need of healing and reparation and justice and wholeness. It seems that those Psalms have been giving comfort and challenge, life and courage for a very long time. This is why I'm grateful I turned to the Psalms this week. It's why I'm grateful I'm in community with all of you. Thanks be to God.